Exodus chapter number two. I'm interested in verse number 11. I'm going to move from verse number 11 down to verse number 25 while you pray for us this morning. All right. Exodus chapter number two, verse number 11. The Bible said, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to them that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled uh, the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Let me pause here for just a minute. I want to take notice of something before we finish these verses of scripture and pray. I want you to notice in verse number 11, Moses knew that he was different. Now Moses was raised in an Egyptian household, but Moses was aware that he was a Hebrew. He said, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. This is verse number 11. Then he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. He was aware that this Hebrew that was being abused was a brother. He was uh, of the same, uh, of the same, uh, uh, he was a Hebrew just as if Moses was a Hebrew. And uh, the Bible said he looked this way and that way. So he knew what he was doing wasn't going to be looked highly upon by the Egyptians, all right? But because this is one of his brethren and one of his brethren's being treated wrongly, he's going to uh, have justice, all right? So let's move on down here into verse number 17. Uh, and the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Uh, and when they came to rule their father, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Uh, and it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage, and they cried, and there came up unto God by reason of the bondage, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Heavenly Father, help us now as we preach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, one, one portion of verse number 23 stood out to me as I began to read these passages of Scripture. Uh, and the Lord just led me in this direction. But here's, here's this phrase again that I see in verse number 23. It said, it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. 
And I began to think about this matter of a process of time. Now, time is of the essence. We do understand that. And we know that uh, we're all, but our life is but a vapor. It's here for a little while, and then it passes away. We understand that. Our lives are surrounded by uh, time. But I thought about what we preached on Wednesday night, and I considered the Bible when it said in Isaiah 6 and 1, you don't have to turn here, be here just for a second, said in the year that King Uzziah died. And we, we preached on uh, a year. We talked about what had transpired in a year's time. We talked about how easy it could be to uh, ponder and dwell on the things that a year brought us or brings us year by year and get discouraged and fall out of the way and turn our back on our, uh, on our God, uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ, on our church, uh, just to, to get just tired of the battle and the fight. And uh, the Bible said in the year that King Uzziah died, then it said, I saw also the Lord. And then we preached a little while on all the things that we had seen, all the things that we had endured, all the things that the church was going through. And then we brought out what we had seen the Lord do. And I'm thankful that in that year, in that time, that we saw all these hardships and all these trials and people have lost loved ones and fought physical battles and uh, spiritual battles and, and financial battles and just one battle on top of another battle, you know. Some just spread so thin uh, that they couldn't get to everything that was required out of them in a day's time. And it just seems like it just draws on people and wears people out. And we thought about all that had been done then we considered that we'd also saw the Lord. And we talked for just a little while what the Lord had done, what the Lord's been doing, and the things that we've seen the Lord bless us in, and the fact that the Word of God is going out and the different avenues that the Lord uh, has blessed this church in a year's time. And I thank God for that. Then I thought about what all we have not seen the Lord do, but what the Lord is doing. See, just because we don't see it doesn't mean the Lord's not working. I'm glad that the Lord's working and some things are happening behind the scene. But I do want to say this. We get discouraged in a year, you know. Uh, in one year, we can get discouraged. But I want us to understand there's a process of time. There is a, there is a process of time which must take place. And I began to consider Moses. And the Lord just brought it back to my mind. We get trapped, you know, day by day. Then we kind of get caught up in this month by month. And then sometimes we just we just look at a year, you know. Isaiah was considering the year, the 365-day calendar, the year that Uzziah had died. He was considering a year's time. And I'm afraid sometimes we consider just a year's time. And if we're not careful, we fall out of the way or get discouraged. But I, I'm interested in this phrase in verse number 23. The Bible said, uh, in Exodus chapter number two, and it came to pass in process of time that ki the king of Egypt died. Here's my message this morning. I'll give you the, 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 maybe the title of the message, and then we'll try to get into the message. But what I would title this message this morning, if I had a title, was don't get lost in the process. And I'm afraid sometimes this, this Christian life that we live in, uh, it's a process. And in the process, along the way, sometimes we uh, have a tendency to let things come up in our life or things will show up that will cause us to fall out of the way during this process of time. I sat right here uh, last Thursday uh, after we got done praying and was just visiting 
with Brother Gene just a little while and listening to some stories and talking to him about some past experiences and some things that I had seen and some things that he had seen. And uh, we talked a little bit about how church as a whole, you know, it's just kind of gone left, went liberal. Uh, people that churches that once stood the right way, you know, had, uh, was staunch in this King James Bible. I have faltered and failed and, and went, went into a liberal movement, you know, and they're doing whatever they can uh, to keep people in the house of God, but they've compromised some things. And we're just talking, you know, and I began to think about the process of time. In a lifetime, Brother Gene, what we've seen in a lifetime, not a year, you know, not a month, not a week, but a process of time. Things have faltered in this process of time. But I began to think about Moses and began to think about how the Lord prepared Moses to do something that it didn't happen like that. But man, everything that went into that man's life to get him to the place where he could do what the Lord wanted him to do was a process of time. And I want to say this, where, I don't know where you're at in your process of time. I don't know. The Lord may not have you ready to launch out and to move in a certain direction, but you may just be in, in training mode. And we all are in training mode. We're always learning. But what the Lord's purpose is for your life, you know, that, that, that special event that the Lord's preparing you for, may, it may not be here yet. And I want to say this, don't get lost in the process of time. Because the Lord does have a plan. Now his plan for you may not be his plan for me. And his plan for me may not be his plan for you. But the Lord's got a plan for our life. And I find sometimes we don't even consider what his plan is for our life. Sometimes we just get lost in the process. And now the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter number 11 that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses was grown, he grew up in a, in a land, if you will, that was not, and in a household that was not the kind of household that uh, his mother would have raised him in. Now we do understand that as a chain of events and through a process here, that the Lord allowed Moses' mother to nurse him and to take care of him on the devil's dollar, thank God. In Egypt's household, we find a Hebrew mother was able to still have some, uh, some, uh, some, a time with her son to help influence him. And I believe it made a difference. How else would he have known to love his Hebrew brethren, Brother Gene, like he did? Why did it bother him when he went down there and seen that his Hebrew brother uh, was getting blistered and beaten and, and, uh, and treated unfairly? That he ended up killing the Egyptian. Why is that? Because there was something in his heart that connected him to his lineage, to his background, to his brothers, if you will. And why, how did that happen? It wasn't by accident. His mother instilled some things in him. Now we've preached about his mother and his father and what all his mother and his father had done in a message before on uh, living in a society that's not conducive to godliness. But I want to consider just all the things that happened to get Moses to this point. Well, when we think about Moses, we automatically think about him bringing the children of Israel across the Red Sea. You know, anybody that knows anything at all about Moses, it seems just like instantaneously that's where your mind goes. Your mind goes to him leading a band of Israelites across a Red Sea that the Lord had parted. But there's a whole lot more to Moses' life. And there's a whole lot of things that happened by the time that Moses was born to the time that Moses led God's children across that Red Sea. There was a process of time. 
And you understand, as Brother Jesus was talking about the devil, the devil wants to get me and you sidetracked and off the matter and into our own lives and doing our own thing. And then somewhere along the way, we lose in this process of time. We lose our way. We lose our way. And I'm afraid sometimes we get discouraged and quit and fall out of the way before we ever get to the place that the Lord has been preparing us for. Now, this is interesting. Let's, let's read here in verse number 11. We know that he was different. He knew he was different. He came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting and Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, Behold, he went out the second day. Behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together and said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? Now here you need to understand, Moses has grown up in an Egyptian household, but his Hebrew mothers taught him some things. Uh, and he's got to see what it is to be an Egyptian, you know, but he's also seen what it is to be a Hebrew. And so he's living kind of in a situation where he can't really grab a hold of the Egyptian life fully, but he can't grab a hold of the Hebrew life fully either. And if he tries to take care of, of uh, and, and live his life as an Egyptian, then uh, he goes against his heritage. And uh, if he goes and tries to help the Hebrew, the Hebrew, they don't want nothing to do with him because he's an Egyptian. And what you find here is at the end of the day, uh, he's got a love for his brethren. He tries to help his brethren, and then his brethren don't want to do with him either. So he's at the end of his road, if you if you will. It would almost seem as if, well, I, I've gone through all of this to get to this point, and I don't have anybody. I don't have the Egyptians. I don't have the Hebrews. I can't be an Egyptian and be happy. I can't be a Hebrew and be happy. And so the next thing you know, the, the, the Hebrews have turned on him. And now we're fixing to see that the Egyptians are fixing to turn on him. And the Bible said uh, that when, uh, let's see, verse number 14, he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us and tendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So he knew that what he had done was public information. All right, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. Now let me say this. Do you think Moses, uh, Pharaoh loved Moses? Do you think Pharaoh cared anything about Moses? Absolutely not. Pharaoh only put up with Moses, his Hebrew and his household, because Pharaoh had a daughter. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh didn't love Moses. Pharaoh loved his daughter. Pharaoh put up with Moses because Pharaoh had a get along with his daughter, you see. All right, so there's no love here between Pharaoh and Moses. All right, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and I believe that Moses knew there was no love for him in Pharaoh's house as well. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been scared and fled. If he thought he could have got anything done, he wouldn't have had to have killed the Hebrews, I mean the Egyptian. He'd have gone to Pharaoh and said, hey, Pharaoh, let's talk about this situation. He knew that there wasn't anything between him and Pharaoh that could cause Pharaoh does not kill, uh, to, to cause Pharaoh to keep this killing from happening, all right? Now, the priest of Midian, uh, so we see that he's fled. Verse number 15, Pharaoh heard this thing. He sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a whale. So he's run off. Now, you understand here, we can read this over in the book of Acts, 
Uh, I, I believe it's Acts chapter number nine. I don't remember. We can find it here in a minute. We will find it here in a minute. Uh, but uh, you'll find that Moses is 40 years old. Moses has lived 40 years to get to this point in his life. There's a process of time, Brother Gene, that's taking place. There was a time where his mother, you know, for three months tried to take care of him and keep him quiet. Got him old enough to the place where she couldn't keep him quiet no more. And it was time to step out by faith and stick him in a, in a basket, let him down, uh, let him down into the, the, the Nile River, if you will. And the, the alligators didn't get him, but Pharaoh's daughter comes along and there's a baby. And he cries at the right time, you know. He's kept his mouth shut all the way to this point, but now he's cried. And, and Moses, or Pharaoh's daughter, sees the little boy and wants to take him in her house and care for him. And then we see that Moses' mother has been called to nurse the child. A chain of events has taken place. There's a process of time. Well, I began to just stop as I began to read these scriptures and focus on this and think about how I got to where I'm at today. But you need to stop. Your story is different than mine. But as we preach this morning, you need to consider and think about what process of time has done in your life. What what has the Lord done in your life to get you to this point? I thought about uh, the king, the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord. I saw the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've witnessed the Lord do things. But how much have I not seen? How much has he protected us from? You know, a three-month-old baby, Brother Marvin, don't remember its history. I don't remember being three months old. I don't remember being a year old. Moses didn't remember what all God had spared him from, friend, up until this point. But there was a process of time. But I tell you, who did remember it? That Hebrew mother. That Hebrew mother was, was aware of what God had done for her baby boy. Before her baby boy was able to understand what God had done, and she understood that they freed. It'd be good if us mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandmas and brothers and sisters would understand that there's a process of time. And we can do our part to try to help somebody else get through their process of time. You say Moses' mother never let anybody out of Egypt. No, but she raised one that did free him. And if she hadn't have done what she done in her process of time, God would have had to use somebody else besides Moses for you. What are you saying? I'm saying we've all got something to give. We've all got something to do. We can't all preach. We can't all teach a Sunday school class. We can't all do this or do that, but we can't all do what we're supposed to do. And we can live a faithful Christian life and love our mothers and fathers and daughters and sons and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins, friend, and help them, friend, in their process of time. Who are you responsible for this morning? So, well, I've got a wife or I've got a husband or I've got children or grandchildren. You're responsible, friend, in this process of time to be all that you can be, to give them all that they can have so that they can do and go and be what God wants them to be. I thank the Lord that Moses had somebody that was helping him when the mercies of God was on Moses' life and Moses wasn't even old enough to know it. But Moses had some people in his life that did know it. And I thank God that they seized the opportunity that was given them to do what they could do for little Moses. And because of that, Moses was able to grow in a process of time. We find that he's 40 years old when he goes down to Midian. A lot of things have happened in 40 years. Moses has had to grow. He's grown in body, but he's grown in knowledge. 
He's starting to see some things. So he don't fully understand. At 40 years old, Moses did not know that he was going to be the very one that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. No, no. See, he was brought up and raised up. What did he do? He had to flee. Moses had to flee. You can't tell me that when Moses fled out of Egypt that he knew that there was going to come a day, Brother Shane, where he was going to take all of God's people and be the leader that leads them out and brings them out of Egypt and crosses the Red Sea. He was scared to death of Pharaoh's face. But there was a process of time, and I thank God for that. So we see that Moses is brought up, um, but he had to flee. Now we find here in verse number 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the trough to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. All right, so we see here, Moses has got the heart of that of a helper. Seems like everywhere Moses goes, you know, Moses is trying to help people uh, to get, a, get a, a leg up, if you will, to get ahead or try to help them. And, uh, and the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped Let me say this. Do you know why I think Moses had a heart to help people? Because I think Moses understood his situation. I believe Moses understood that Moses should have been dead. I believe Moses understood that he shouldn't be alive. I believe Moses understood there was a process of time where people done something to help him get to where he was at in this life. Can I say you're not where you're at today by accident? If you're saved by the grace of God today, friend, you're here because of the mercy and the grace of God. And you sit here saved by the grace of God today, not of anything that you've done, but because of what somebody else done for you. Thank God for a cross. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the plan of salvation. Thank God that Jesus Christ was willing to go to Calvary and bleed and die for you and for me. Not because of anything we've done, but because of something that he done. He had a heart to help because he'd been helped. It does good today to stop and realize in this process of time what's been done for you, what's been done for me to get us to this point. Well, I'll be honest with you, there's some things that I had to take charge of to get to this place and where I'm at today because I had to make some decisions. But I'll tell you what, I'm also here today because there's some others that made some decisions for me and helped me and got me to a place where I could take the bull by the horns and take and make some decisions for myself. There's some people that's responsible for getting me to that place. Listen, if you're here today, you're here today because somebody took some responsibility on themselves to help you get to where you're at. It may not have been a mama. It may not have been a daddy. It might have been a school teacher. It might have been a preacher. It could have been a deacon. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. I don't know. But somebody helped you get to where you're at today, friend, so that you can take it from that. Now, today I will say this. It's my job. And your job to do the same thing in this process of time help somebody get to where they can take the bull by the horns themselves. So Moses, he was the man that helped. I find it interesting. See, this everything's in the Bible for a reason. There's a reason why we see Moses willing to help. It's like Moses just left Egypt, Fred. Moses just left a land or a home where he had everything he needed. Moses wasn't down there with the Hebrews uh, uh, working till his back broke. Moses wasn't down there sweating and, and killing himself every day, working like the rest of those Hebrews. He was living in the, in the Egyptian's house, you know, in the, in the palace, if you will. His, uh, his adopted mother, if you will, was the daughter of King Pharaoh. 
But I want you to understand something. He left out of that. He got out of there. He, he, didn't, he didn't enjoy all these pleasures. He was taken from them and he ran off and fled for his life. Why? Because he helped somebody. He helped bring justice, you know, uh, to, because of someone's life. Now he's running. So we find here that in verse number 16, the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. So uh, the, this, uh, the priest of Midian here uh, has got some daughters who's come to the well to water the flock. And we find, oh, Moses is sitting on the well, you know. Moses is just sitting there waiting because he don't know what to do. He's run. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was running from Egypt and, and hightailing it out, you know, trying to get away, I imagine I'd, I'd, I'd run up a pretty good sweat. My tongue would probably be out of my mouth, and a well would be a pretty good place to stop to get some nourishment to help you run a little farther. So I don't believe it was it was uh, uh, it was just you know I believe it was providence of God, but it was also just that Moses needed somewhere to get something to drink. Moses is in trouble, but here comes somebody while Moses is in his own problems, and Moses has got his own troubles, and Moses has got his own issues. Come some ladies down here to water their uh, father's flock, and the shepherds shut them off. And what does he do? He helps them. He didn't sit down and just pout, put his lip out, say, I'm sorry, I'm sick and tired of this world, and I'm not going to do nothing else, and I'm going to quit. But he goes on and helps these ladies get their father's flock water. He was a man that had a helping heart. He understood what had been done to get him to this point. It did you good this morning to stop and consider what has happened in your life personally to get you to this point in your life. Said, and the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. I'm glad he stood up when he could have been sitting down. And when they came to Reol, their father, he said, how is it that you are come so soon today? So uh, this, this kind of leaves a hint to me, Brother Shane, that quite possibly day by day, when they went down to, to water their father's flock, they run into trouble nearly every day. To the point that, uh, that their father wasn't even expecting them back this time of day. He said, uh, how is it that you are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. And also drew water enough for us. So he didn't just, he didn't just run the shepherds off. But then he helped them water the flock. And watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. All right. And so now let me back up here to verse number 19. I want to, I want to, I want to call your attention to something. I'll miss it if we're not careful. When, uh, when the, the, the daughters here, uh, had brought the flocks back home, their father said, uh, and when they came real, their father, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? Verse 19 says, and they said, an Egyptian delivered us out. He was a Hebrew. But he looked like an Egyptian. Now you need to understand something about this. He's on the run, right? He's in this phase in his life, Brother Shane, where uh, he looks a lot like a Hebrew, but he looks a lot like an Egyptian. See, he's going through a process. He's been put in a world, in his little world, you know. He's growing up in Egypt, and his lineage is that of a Hebrew. And he's got some Hebrew influence, and he's got some Egyptian influence. And today we find that in the church today. There's a lot of people in their process of time, in their life, you know, a lot of things have been done to try to get them to this point. But in all reality, they're suffering from a problem. And that problem is uh, they don't know if they're living like a Christian or if they're living like the world. 
And we find out that, that, that Moses here is a Hebrew. We find over in the earlier part of chapter number two that he's worried about his brethren. But he still looks like an Egyptian. So he's helping these people. But when their father inquire about him, they call him an Egyptian. Okay, so verse number 20 said, he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zippor his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. He felt like he was wandering. He really didn't have nowhere to call home. I want to say this, when you live like the world, and you're a Christian born again, but saved by the grace of God, it feels like you're in a strange land. Amen. He was in a strange land. So then it came to pass in process of time. Uh, let's see, you're back up 22. She buried his son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. It came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Let me say this. No doubt did Moses have a heart for the Hebrew. No doubt did, did Moses have a heart for the children of Israel. But you understand that he feels like he's given himself to try to help in a small way. And all he got all he got for it was trouble. I don't know about you, but have you ever in your Christian life, you know, stuck your neck out, thought you was going to try to do something for somebody, and uh, it, you got slapped in the mouth for it, so to speak, and you thought, well, I, I, that didn't work out too good, and so you have to hit the trail, and you run off, and, and, you, and there's nothing you can do. You know, I've done all I know to do, but there's nothing I can do. And so we find that Moses is in a strange land. He's a Hebrew looking like an Egyptian. But I'll say this, he's been given a, a, a daughter. He's been given a wife, you understand. Now he's got some children. And to be honest with you, he's set up home. He's set up shop. He, he's kind of got comfortable over here in a strange land just living life. He's not living in the, in the, in the palace. He's not living the life of, of that of a, of a prince or anything like that. But you understand that he's got a wife, he's got some kids, and uh, he's got something to eat, he's got a place to stay, you know, clothes on his back, shoes on his feet. He's just, he's just making it through life. Just making it through life. There's a lot of us today just making it through life. We've got to the place, you know, where uh, we've got a place to stay. We got clothes on our back, shoes on our feet, food to eat. You know, we got a fine family. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's all right. We're just living life. But we don't realize that God saved us for something far better, friend, than just that. God had a purpose for Moses. And the process of time that had been taking place to get him to this point was not so he could just live at home with his family. Was not so he could just have clothes on his back and shoes on his feet and food to eat. But God had something greater and better for Moses. But Moses has got happy to live with his family and his in-laws down here in the land of Midian for him. And I'm afraid today that's what's happened to a lot of Christians today. A lot of Christians have been saved by the grace of God, but they look like the world. And they got their homes and their families, you know, and they're healthy. And they got food to eat. They got clothes to wear. Something fine to drive, you know. And the Lord's been good to them. The Lord's been good to Moses, friend. But the Lord wanted more out of Moses than what Moses was given. But you understand there's a process of time. And where are you at in the process? I don't know. I don't know where you're at in the process. 
But I'll say this, I do know for a fact that God saved you for something better than just living life every day, you know, going through the motion of life and getting up every morning and uh, getting poured in your cereal or your oatmeal and going to work and doing the same thing you do every day just so you can make the same amount of money every Friday, just so you can buy the same groceries every uh, grocery day, just so you can pay the same water bill and electric bill and do it all over again the next week, you know, just going through a motion called life. God saved you for more than that today, friend. All right, and so we're fixing to find here that in this process of time, the Lord's doing some prep work. The Lord's preparing. All right, so let's move on down here. We find here that uh, he's got his family. Verse number 23, now it came to pass in process of time. In this process of time that Moses is living, the king of Egypt died. So Pharaoh, the one that was wanting to kill him, is dead. He's not on the face of the earth anymore. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. So the people that he left, you know, what are they doing? They're still suffering under bondage. Now, how long was Moses in Midian? Moses was in Midian for 40 years. He was 40 years old when he left to go to Midian. And then while he's in Midian, he spends another 40 years. And so for 40 years, he's gone into the land of Midian while the Hebrews are still suffering the bondage of those that were over them in authority. Said God heard the groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect in them. I want to say this. I believe that Moses tried to get the Hebrew out of his mind. I believe that Moses knew that he couldn't go back he knew what had drove him out. And I believe he just tried to forget it. You know, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that leave their service. And they leave that burden. See, I want you to understand something first and foremost. There was a burden in Moses' heart for his brethren. There was a burden before there was a calling. So what do you mean? Long before the Lord ever prepared him to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, there was a burden. When you get saved by the grace of God, how do we know that we love God? Because we love the brethren. He loved his brethren and he had a burden for them, but he was limited in what he can do. And can I say this? We're all limited as to what we can do. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Christ, or the Lord, the Lord God, him to do something and put a calling on Moses' life that he's been preparing him for all the way up to this time. The Lord, friend, has got something for everyone in this church building to do. And he's preparing you for it. And you need to be in a place where you can endure and go through this process of time and allow to be shaped and molded in what Lord wants you to be. Can I say this? An 80-year-old man don't think like a 40-year-old man. Can I get a witness, Brother Gene? An 80-year-old man don't think like a 40-year-old man. Why? He's got 40 more years on somebody. And you understand that through a process of time, people mature and they see things. You say, are you calling a 40-year-old immature? I'm saying a 40-year-old has not witnessed what an 80-year-old has. And there's coming a time when we will. But as we learn and go through this process of time, there's some experiences and some things that take place that help us to understand a little better what's going on. So I believe this man's getting some age on him and he's starting to get a little wiser and he's starting to understand and he's starting to see some things. There's a process of time. Boy, and I just kept thinking about Uzziah over there. The year that, I said the year that King Uzziah died. Well, I get trapped up, caught up in a year. 
I got caught up in 300 shit. Now listen, I, I appreciate it. We need to consider the year and we need to consider what the Lord's done with us in a year. I appreciate that. And my whole life is not revolving around what's happened the last 365 days. There's a lot of time, a lot of water went under the bridge to get me to this place where I'm at today, three. But I want to say this. Moses is at the place in his life now where Moses is going to start making some decisions. Moses is fixing to understand what the Lord wants him to do. Then Moses is going to have to decide if he's going to do it or not. I believe there's a lot of us in here tonight or this morning that the Lord's, you know, kind of what it is the Lord wants you to do. There are some things we don't have to ask the Lord about. We already know. We know that we're to be a witness. We know that we're to let our light so shine before me. There's some things the Lord's wanting us to do this morning, but we're going to have to make some decisions if we're going to do it or not. But I want to say this. When you make that decision, you better remember there's a lot of people riding on it there today, friend. Said God heard the groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. So Moses is living life with his family. He's got health. He's got some wealth. He's got everything going his direction. And he's just living life day by day, going through a motion, going through a routine of life. But God remembers those over there in Egypt. The very thing that Moses has tried to forget, the Lord still remembers. I want to say this, you can try to forget what it is to be a Christian. You can try to forget what it is to be at God's house. You can try to forget what the Lord wants you to do with your life. You can try to forget the calling and the ministry that the Lord's laid on you, but he has not forgot today for him. And you may try to forget, shove your head in the sand, that folk are dying and going to hell, but the Lord has not forgot them for him. All right, so now we get down here to Verse number 25, and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. So I believe he's seen it, but I believe he took a double take. He had to stop and turn around and really pay attention to it. He said, light don't work that way any other time. Why is that happening this way? Maybe you should stop today and ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, that you're trying to show me? What is it, Lord, that you would like for me to see? Moses understood that the Lord, something was happening here out of the ordinary. What is it that the Lord's wanting to show you this morning? Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, which the, why the bush is not burnt. So the Lord's got his attention. And, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, you know what? He looked at what the Lord sent to get his attention. The Lord's trying to get some attention in this place this morning. And I'll say this, if you'll look and pay attention to what the Lord's trying to do, the Lord will speak to you this morning. The Lord sent something to get Moses' attention. And when it got Moses' attention, Moses was able to hear from the Lord. He said, uh, it said here, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God calling him out of the midst of the bush, he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place wrong where thou standest is holy ground. It was holy because the Lord was there. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So let me say this, the Lord was reminding him 
The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. They had forgotten. He had forgotten what he had fled for. He had tried to put out of his mind the very thing that had caused him to have to leave his home. But the Lord's got his attention. And when the Lord got his attention, do you know what the first thing the Lord done? The Lord reminded him of his brethren that he had a burden for back over in Egypt. Listen to me today. You know what you need today? You need a healthy reminder, a healthy dose of remembering what Christians look like that are out of the will of God. And then you need a healthy reminder of what folk look like that are on their way to hell. And then you need to get a burden for them and realize the Lord's still got a burden for them and the Lord wants you to have a burden for them. And if you'll have a burden for them, the Lord will put you in a place where he can use you today, friend. Said, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land uh, and a large, uh, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, behold the cry of the children of Israel. He said, he's basically saying, let their situation have an effect on you. Behold them, behold the cry, listen. And if I have also seen the oppression where the Egyptians oppressed thee, come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So here's what I want to say, and then I'll be done this morning. We'll... We'll pick up with this tonight and, and, and finish this out. But I want to say this. Moses was brought up in the land of Egypt. Then Moses run. He got brought out, you see. Then he got brought back. Why did he get brought back the second time? So he could get brought out again. The difference is he left the first time by himself. He left the second time with all the children of Israel. I'm afraid some of us this morning have left. We've got up and we've left. We said, we're done. I'm through. I'm finished. I've tried. I've failed. I've been abused for it. I'm sick of it. I'm through. And in that time that you've been gone, the Lord's been wanting you to understand that he still has a burden for the people you used to have a burden for. And he's trying to bring you back. And he wants to bring you back, not because he wants to keep you in the world, but he wants to take you out of this world and he wants you to be taking some folks with you when you go. Amen. I'm not afraid what we've done is we've only considered me, myself, and I. We've only considered my, me. We've only considered ourselves. But the Lord's considering all of us and I thank God for that. He was considering all of us when he laid down on that cross of Calvary and put his hands out and allowed him to throw the nails in his feet in his hands. And to stand him up on that tree and the weight of his body to pull down on his wounds while the blood ran down his side and his back onto the cross of Calvary and onto the ground. That blood that was shed for me and for you. He done that for me and done it for you. Why? Because he came to seek and to say that which was lost. He was concerned about the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's me and that's you. If you're the son of my voice, Christ died for you so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. There's a lot of us that's got up and left out. But when we left out, we left behind a whole bunch of people that needed to come out too. And I want you to understand something. He got discouraged because there was a couple smart aleks that didn't like what he'd done. That Egyptian. 
And I'll say this, there's always going to be a couple smart alecks along the way that may be more better than you. But you better ignore the smart alecks, friend, and look at the bigger picture. Don't let two or three people keep you out of the service of the Lord because you didn't like what they said to you today, friend. And realize there's a whole nation that needs to be brought out to another country. And it could just be that in this process of time that God's been preparing you to do that very thing. But if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the process of time. You'll get to the place in this process of time where you get lost. And you think that it's all about you. And it's just my little group. You know, the Lord gave me a, a spouse and some children and some money and some health. And I'm just going to take it and use it till the end. God didn't save us for that. God didn't save us just to enjoy what we got and what we've worked up for ourselves or what he's allowed us to have. Not to live in our own little world, but to understand there's a much bigger, much broader picture. And today, I hate to say it, but a good majority of born-again believers saved the grace of God are concerned about one thing. That's my four, no more. My little house, my little pocketbook, my little life, my little bills, and then I'm going to die and it'll be over with. But it won't be over with for you. You'll stand at the judgment. And there'll be people that cry and weep and wail because you could have told them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You could have helped them to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. But because you was too concerned about your four and no more, friend, you've forgotten that there's still a pile of people back here that need your help. God did not get you to this point, friend. As the pianist comes, if you can just find something soft, let's all stand our feet this morning. God didn't get you to this point for nothing. Brought Moses up, but Moses had to flee. He brought Moses back in order to free the children of Israel. He was brought out with them so that he could be with them and lead them to where the Lord wanted them to go. So he was brought up and he was brought out but he was brought back that the next time he goes out, he could take some people with him. I wonder how many of you might say this morning, say, Preacher, there was a process of time. Somebody helped me get to this place in my life. They brought me up. They helped me. They got me to where I'm at today. But I've left out. I've left out. And the Lord's wanting to bring you back, and he's wanting you to have the same burden that he's got. And he's trying to bring you back so that he can take you back out again. But the next time when you go out, you can take some folk with you. How many of you this morning would just be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I've left out, but I'm by myself in this thing. And I've not been too concerned about who I could bring with me. But Lord, if you'll bring me back, if you'll bring me back, and I'll say this, the Lord wants to bring you back. And he'll have to bring you back, friend, to do anything with you. You're crazy today. If you think you can live in the land of Midian and do anything for the cause of Christ. But if you'll come back to where you started, if you'll come back to where you got off track, friend, the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. And this time, friend, when he helps you, he can help you bring some people with you. Oh, you may not lead a nation out. I'll say this, though. You might can lead your family out. You might can lead some co-workers, some employees, some friends. You might can lead them out. Get them to the land where the Lord wants you to be at. If you need to come this morning, 
This altar is open while we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We love you. Lord, we thank you for helping us through the message. Lord, I, I would that you would deal with hearts. I would, God, that you would draw people back to you. Lord, I know you're trying to get people back. I know you're pulling on people to come back. Lord, they just won't give in. Lord, would you keep reminding them? Lord, would you show them a lost and dying world one more time? Would you, would you reveal to them the reality of hell and where folk are going to go? And if they would just get their heart right and get back, Lord, that you would help them. And you would do for them and do through them what they couldn't do on their own. Lord, I see Moses had a burden, but he couldn't do nothing. He found himself in a land where he was not with the people that you had a burden for. Lord, they got lost. he got lost in a process of time. But I'm glad, Lord, you brought him back and done with him and through him what you intend to do all along. Lord, I thank you for the process of time that's got me to where I'm at today. I thank you for the people that were instrumental in helping me find myself where I'm at today. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. And I pray if there be one here, Lord, lost and undone, that you'd save them. Show them the need for a Savior. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, I beg of you, there's one that's found themselves all alone in the land of Midian. Lord, that they'd come back today. This morning would be the morning that they would come back and say, Lord, I'm willing and ready to do what you'd have me to do. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.